Good morning, Toronto. It's a late morning. You're getting up just now. I want to trade lives with you. Mark Zucchino in today on Toronto Today. Yes, that's right. From Golf Talk Canada Television and Radio. You're wondering, yes, they let the golf guy in. What's going on? It's the dog days of summer. We got the golf guy in to talk about sports. Really? Ah, It's okay. You know what? My passion in life is not golf. It's professional wrestling. And we're going to talk a little professional wrestling today. Later on in Toronto today. And I figure that this is my first step to becoming the voice of Monday Night Raw. That is the goal. To make our visit with Wade Keller from PW Torch in hour two of Toronto today to make my step into the world of professional wrestling. Unfortunately, just never had the size to really dive into the professional wrestling world and got caught up in this golf thing. Just takes over all of my time, this golf thing. But we're going to talk wrestling. The golf guys are going to talk wrestling. We're actually going to talk a lot of great stuff today. We have lots of NFL football stories. And Tim Graham from The Athletic, he'll be by. That's also an hour two. Tons of news stories out of the NFL. Quarterback controversies all over the place already. And we haven't had a snap yet in the regular season. We got teams spending millions of dollars on guys that have never won a playoff game or have maybe one win under their belt in the playoffs. We've got Packers looking to make Aaron Rodgers the highest-paid player in team history. He's been a little unhappy as well in the offseason over some of the moves the Packers have made. So Tim Grant from The Athletic will jump into the NFL with him. Chris McKee, who is the social media director for Golf Talk Canada, but also covers NCAA and OUA basketball as well. And he is covering uh, Duke's visit to Canada, the tour that is in Toronto. They played Ryerson the other night. They're going to play University of Toronto tonight, and Chris is covering that for the OUA and SB Nation, south of the border. So Chris McKee going to pop in, talk a little bit of hoops. How good is R.J. Barrett? You know, I am not the biggest hoops fan on the planet, but I'm hearing a lot of experts suggest that R.J. Barrett is going to be the greatest Canadian basketball player that this country has ever produced. The greatest professional basketball player that Canada has ever produced. Now hold on a second here. You know, Joe Narsa and I, my my producer today, we're talking about this off mic. We're like, what about Steve Nash? Are are we forgetting Steve Nash? Because I think Joe put it best. Joe suggested Steve isn't just the best Canadian basketball player of all time. He's one of the the best that the NBA has produced over the last couple of decades. He's an MVP player. He was brilliant in the position. One of the all-time greats. He just happens to be Canadian. Steve Nash, one of the all-time greats. He's from Pluto. Never mind Canada. So are we overhyping R.J. Barrett already? And this is a lot for a young man for a country to be pointing at him and suggesting that. Now, speaking of a lot for Canadians, it is the last week of the regular season on the PGA Tour. The Wyndham Championship. We had a 59 shot yesterday with Brant Snedeker. And who cares? (laughs) It seems like every week now on the PGA Tour, someone's threatening to shoot 59. There has actually been nine players to break 60 in PGA Tour history. Of course, Jim Furyk shot 59 and 58. And there's 10 sub-60 rounds now with Snedeker doing it. But 
it doesn't mean as much anymore. It feels like every week on the PGA Tour, I've been out there all year calling play-by-play for PGA Tour Radio, and every week it feels like someone's in my ear saying, Mark, get over the eighth hole because there's a 59 watch on. Somebody's got to get back with that group. We, you know, we could have a 59. So I don't know if it means as much as it has. There's still a limited amount of guys. It's still a pretty small club, the 59 club. It just I don't know if it has the same sizzle. But it was done, and we're going to break it down with Bob Weeks, my co-host for Golf Talk Canada. He'll be with us right off uh, the top of the show here, right on the other side of our first break. Bob will join me, and we will also discuss Canadians at the Wyndham Championship. This is the last week to make the FedEx Cup playoffs. Our boys need to make a move. The good news is they are. After the opening round, Taylor and Connors are projected already to move inside the top 125. Hernsey moving up. He needs to move really hard to make it to 125, but at the very least, he's made a good, solid push into the top 150, which would get him at least conditional status on the PGA Tour next year. So good Canadian news stories in the world of golf. Twitter poll question today. And we want to hear from you. At TSN 1050 Radio is the Twitter handle. We go out with this one. Everybody talking Tiger. Tiger mania right now. And I think it's also the time of year where golf becomes in focus. Because, you know, NFL hasn't really started yet. NBA, NHL aren't aren't here. Uh, golf really gets a main stage around this time of year. Especially with the PJ Championship and Tiger playing well. 69% TV ratings up on Sunday in the U.S. U.S. Sunday from year-to-year date, from last year's PGA Championship final round on Sunday to this year, 69% TV ratings were up. That is just astronomical that one guy this late in his career can stir the drink that much. So my question to you is this. Between now and Augusta National next year, between now and next year's Masters, how many professional golf tournaments will Tiger win? And I say professional golf tournaments. So this is any professional tournament with the exception of the Ryder Cup being a team event. So it could be the Hero World Challenge. He could go to Abu Dhabi and win in the desert in Europe or on the PGA Tour. Any professional golf tournament on any real tour, including his own Hero World Challenge, how many tournaments will Tiger Woods win between now and Augusta? He's going to win once. He's going to win two or more times. Or is he going to win none? Those are your choices. At TSN 1050 Radio, the poll question. I want to hear from you. My gut tells me our Twitter universe is going to pick two or more because I think everybody's going tiger nuts right now. I'm not so sure where I land on this yet. My gut's saying one. We'll certainly get Bob Weeks' opinion on that. So, hey, Joe, you know what we were going to do today as well off the top of the show? I wanted to try to see if I could nail who the 59 club is. Without you know, without poking around, I haven't looked into this yet. I told you I think I could get pretty close. I, I, this is who I think is in that 59 or better club. Al Guyberger, Chip Beck, Dave Duvall, Paul Goidos, Stuart Appleby, Jim Furyk for the 58 and the 59, Adam Hadwin, Brant Snedeker. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out who I'm missing on this one. I've been grinding. I, I've refused to look it up. I have not Googled the thing. I, I'm, I know I'm missing at least one name. Okay, well, you actually had them all in consecutive order. 
which is impressive. Um, the person you are missing is was the first 59 after Jim Furyk's 58. So that's a little tip. And it was at the Sony Open in 2017. The Sony Open? Yeah, and I, I feel like this might be this person's first or second win on tour. Wow. Is it Kevin Kisner? No. Okay, give it to me. Justin Thomas. Justin JT. How could I miss JT? That was an obvious one. So that's yeah. that's the guy I'm missing, eh? And what's interesting, too, when you mentioned uh, Jim Furyk, I believe it was Jim Furyk's 58 or his 59. That day, Steve Stricker shot a 60. Wow. And still got beat out by yeah. a 59. That's yeah. rough. Yeah, shot 60 and lost. And to your yeah. point, that's a, you were saying off-air, it's usually the guys that are the shorter hitters yeah. that kind of... You know, strategically make their way through the course, right? And Steve Stricker, a guy who gets to a sixty, can't you know doesn't really hit it a long way. If you take a look at this list, with the exception of you know David Duvall, who wasn't the longest of his era, but would be in the top third in driving distance in his era, and Justin Thomas, the other seven names on this list are bunters, right? They're bunters and plotters. They get hot putters. So we'll find out uh, Weeksy's theory on this. Bob Weeks going to join me next. Again, we're going to start golf. We're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk NFL. And we're going to preview SummerSlam, a little WWE, the biggest day, the biggest event of the summer coming this Sunday night with Wade Keller in Hour 2 of PW Torch. But starting with Weeksy next, talking a little golf, this is Toronto Today. This is Toronto Today. Zucchino with you. Mark Zucchino, host Golf Talk Canada TV and radio, sitting in today for the next Hour 45 here on Toronto Today as we are broadcasting on TSN 1050, also streaming on TSN 1050.ca, and of course the TSN app. My next guest going to jump in, talk a little golf. He's a member of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. He is also the co-host of Golf Talk Canada TV and radio, as well as the senior analyst for TSN Golf Analyst, and maybe his greatest accomplishment Sitting to my left, 50 weeks a year for radio and TV, and has not gone deaf in the right ear yet. Bob Weeks. Bob, what's going on this morning, man? <laughs> Nothing too much. Thank you for the nice, kind introduction there. Yes, no, it's, uh, this is just like, this is just like uh, what we'll be doing tomorrow morning. we got to do it again tomorrow morning. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just preview tomorrow, because I'm going gonna, gonna to just throw at you all the stuff I was going to throw at you tomorrow morning. But, <laughs> you know, we're in the middle of it right now. So before we get to the Canadians on the move at the Wyndham Championship, trying to make a push for the FedEx Cup playoffs, great starts. So we'll get to that. But before we get to that, Sneds joins the 59 club. And I don't, am I just getting sour in my old age? It just doesn't feel like it means as much anymore. Almost every week it feels like someone's going to shoot 59. A- am I just getting getting a little too sour, Bob, or is this still a big deal? Uh, no, you're sour. <laughs> you know, it's to me, it's still a big deal. Although it's the frequency of which it happens, it's probably not quite as often as we think it is. But uh, this is the first one since uh, Adam Hadwin did it last year at the Career Builders. But it's still an achievement. It's still remarkable. Um, this is a this was not a 13 under like Adam Hadwin, but still, you know, when you start off with a bogey like Sneds does. And then wrap it in and, and get to get to 59. Um, I think it's a, a remarkable, and you can see the the emotion in their faces. If you saw him after he sunk that 20 foot putt to, to to clinch it, I mean, it was like he'd won a major championship. So it's a pretty cool achievement. And what's always amazing to me about the 59 is if you look at the people who have done it, to take nothing away from them because they're all really good golfers. But it's amazing to me that there's no 59s from Tiger Woods, from Phil Mickelson, although he's come close, from Jack Nicklaus, from Arnold Palmer. 
Uh, the guys who win the most, for some reason, don't shoot 59, which is which is always strange to me. So it, it's still uh, it's still a pretty remarkable achievement. You know, it's funny you say that because in the previous segment, I was echoing similar statements, and I just kind of took it one step further, with with the exception of Justin Thomas and David Duvall, who would have been, you know. Justin Thomas, one of the top players in the world. David Duvall was number one in the world. So two former number ones. And I guess someone's, you know, you wouldn't say that they are the longest players of their generation, but certainly both players in the, you know, the top 25% of bombers in, in their in their generation. JT now, Duvall back in the day. With the exception of those two players, not only is it not big names like you suggested, Bob, the type of player su- surprises me. Most of these guys that shoot 59 are kind of just, you know, they're, they're plotters, and they can get streaky putters. They're not guys that overpower a golf course, and that, to me, scratches my head a bit. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing. I, I, I think back about uh, about a year and a half ago, I was hosting a panel of, of about 10 PGA Tour players, and it was shortly after Adam had, had, had uh, recorded his 59, and I asked the guys on the panel, I said, how many of you guys have shot 59 just, you know, in, in, at your golf course? Or, and every one of them put their hand up. They'd all, they've all done it at times pretty much in their career because they're that good. Um, but to do it again on the PGA Tour with the course setups that they have there, with the course length, uh, with all the people watching and, and everything, that, when it means a little bit more, it's still, to me, a pretty good achievement. But you're right, it's, it's more the craftsmen than it is the, uh, the bodybuilders who, who have got it done over the years. All right, Weeksy, we got lots of good Canadian news that we're going to have to keep on top of over this entire weekend because golf's really in focus this week. There's not much happening in the world of professional sports right now, and this happens to be the end of the regular season of the FedEx Cup. Hearn off to a good start, making a big push to kind of move his way into that top 50 for conditional status. But great news right now out of Nick Taylor and Corey Connors that got off to a great start yesterday and now are projected as we speak right now. Live FedEx Cup projection for Corey Connors is 123 and Nick Taylor 126. Now they have yet to tee off today. If they can put something else in the 60s on the board today, man, four rounds in the 60s, they may have, have their card for next year. It's uh, it's a tense time for sure. And, and having talked to these guys over the last week or so, you know, most of them will tell you they sort of say, you know, I'm going to try not to look at the projections. I'm going to try to wait till Sunday and figure it out and just kind of play golf and let, let what happens take care of itself. But, um, but they all also admitted that, yeah, you know what, I'm going to be watching. <laughs> I'm going to be looking at where it is just to see what's going on. And, and it was nice to see them get off to the fast starts. Mackenzie Hughes got off to one, too. Um, was pretty good, although he's not in dire need. He just needs it to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. He'll still keep his card for next year because of his win last year. Uh, ben Silverman, not such good news. You know, he had a, had a, one over round lot yesterday, so that's not good. But it's it's a tense time. I mean, imagine if uh, if we walked in tomorrow and and we didn't do a very good radio broadcast, and they said, okay, that's it, your job's gone for next year. I mean, that's the kind of kind of situation that these guys are in. They'll have they'll all have some somewhere to play next year. Well, but in a perfect world, you need to be on the PGA Tour fully exempt, so you can pick your schedule and, and go where you want, and play the courses you want. Well, if that happened to you and I, it's, you know, we could finally start chasing our passion and start that uh, wrestling curling show that we've always <laughs> talked about. So, uh, we're with Bob Weeks from TSN. You follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Bob Weeks TSN, uh, senior golf reporter, and my co-host for Golf Talk Canada. Weeksy, our Twitter poll question today. And uh, we'll bring up these uh, results tomorrow morning on Golf Talk Canada as well. But I, I want your I want your take on this. Our Twitter Twitter poll question today is: How many professional golf tournaments, excluding the Ryder Cup? So that's the only thing we're excluding. So Hero World Challenge counts. 
playing in Europe on European tour, going to playing in the desert in January would count. How many professional golf tournaments will Tiger Woods win between now and Augusta National and the Masters next year? One, two or more, or none? Those are your options. What do you like on this? Um, I'll go with one. I think there's there's a win in there somewhere. And, you know, from what I saw at last week at uh, at the PGA Championship at Belle Reve, uh, I mean, he crafted a pretty remarkable round considering where he was hitting it on the front nine, considering how poor he putted on the back nine on Saturday to finish second with all that, um, to me, says a couple things. One is that his game is, is at a point where under the right conditions, with the right uh, opponents playing better or not that good, um, I think he can. I think he can top a field. And also, just looking in his eyes and watching the gaze and the stare and the focus that we used to see back in 2000, 2005, 2013, when he was on such great runs. To me, that's where I see um, just just the the possibilities of going forward with with a great game and a great condition. So, it's probably going to happen at, at at a course where. Uh, that favors favors him like Bell Reeve was soft, so that allowed him to attack some of those greens from some of those crazy lies that he was in on the on the back, on the front nine, I should say, on Sunday. But um, but I think he's I think he's got one in there, and I think it's going to happen probably sooner than we think. You know, it's funny because I'm with one as well. I, I can say oh, he's going to win one. That's where I'm leaning. But if he wins in the playoffs, I might change my story to two or more because I don't see four or five or anything ridiculous like that. But if you were to grab one soon, like you're suggesting, and continue to ride this hot streak and maybe get one in the playoffs, well, wow, you know, that brings up a whole other can of worms of what could happen in January and February, considering, you know, he'll probably play a couple of times on the West Coast, uh, West Coast, excuse me, with places that he, you know, he's done well before. So it could, you know, could certainly change how we feel about this. It's. Um, I think. I think you brought up something too before on one of the episodes of Golf Talk Canada, where you're talking about how he had to learn how to win again. And I think there is something to that. I think we talk so much about the physical comeback, getting his back in shape, getting his game in shape, being able to hit the driver in, in place, getting rid of the, the the chipping yips, and getting that putter working. But we kind of forget there's a mental side to it, uh, to coming back as well. You have to kind of learn how to play golf, how to get yourself focused, how to get yourself ready. And I, I mean. Mentally, he's been one of the toughest players in the history of the game, but I still think there needs to be a, uh, an allowance that he has to come back, and I think we saw a little bit of that at Bell Reeve and probably some at Carnoustie as well. So um, I think if you look at that at it that way, there's everything's kind of starting to, to focus into one right now, and, and I think we saw that uh, in a good exhibition of that at Bell Reeve and, and the PGA. Weeksy, before we let you go, I got one I've been thinking about I want to throw at you, and we'll get into it again a little deeper in the morning, but... Tiger Woods is the biggest star this sport has ever seen. And he plays the way the game a certain way. You know, even when he was in his prime to where he's hitting it now all over the ballpark, the intensity factor is the same. So whether, you know, whether he's shooting 64 from the trees or 64 from the middle of the fairway, he looks like he's going into a heavyweight title fight. Uh, the closest star we've seen to Tiger, I guess in my opinion, over the last decade, and it's nowhere near Tiger's star, but the closest is probably Jordan Spieth because of the way he does things. He does things, uh, and, and of course I'm not including Phil Mickelson because that's a, a Tiger contemporary. I'm talking of the new stars of this generation. He does things in spectacular fashion. He either crashes or burns like he did at Augusta, or he comes back with heroics and pointing at the hole and fist pumping at the Open Championship. Is golf got a challenge? And of course golf will have a challenge post-Tiger. We know that. 
But do they have a challenge marketing guys like Kepka, DJ? Uh, it seems to me that almost the lack of intensity, lack of personality inside the ropes is a real challenge for our sport moving forward when Tiger's not around. Because I just I, I don't see people caring enough about Brooks Kepka, in my opinion, the way they should because of what he's been able to do on the golf course in the last year and a half. And I'm wondering it's because if it's just because it looks like he doesn't care. I think I think we probably don't know enough about Brooks Kepka yet to 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 be really honest about that point. Although I I agree with you right now, it looks like he's sort of uh, monotone. Same thing with Dustin Johnson; they're not very passionate in in the way they deliver themselves on the golf course. But having sat down now with Brooke a couple times, um, one-on-ones after the U.S. Open and, and after the PGA, there's a lot there. There's a lot to Brooke. He's a good story. He's, he can be emotional. He got a little emotional when he met his mom at the, at the green after he won on the PGA Championship. Um, but, but sure, he's not Tiger Woods. He's not Justin Thomas, who I think is probably the most affable guy out there, the, uh, the most friendly, per, have big personality kind of guy. Um, but uh, but listen, there's there's all kinds, and if he keeps playing the way he does on the golf course, I think that might take care of it itself. And if we get to know these guys a little bit deeper, it's not easy. But I mean, I think I've I've also gotten to know Dustin Johnson a little bit in the last year. I found him to be a little bit more engaging, and there's a little bit more personality there uh, than maybe what we've seen so far. But uh, time will tell if these guys draw people into the game the way Tiger did. It's, I think it's it's a long shot, uh, but if we get close. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a good benefit. I think I think you know we're looking at we're looking at the greatest player of his generation. So to compare him to anyone else is going to be awfully tough. He's not, you know, when Wayne Gretzky leaves, does Sidney Crosby fill the hole? Maybe a little bit, but not quite the same way. So um, it's going to be tough for sure, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, and it's going to be done by committee. It ain't going to be one guy, right? So right, right. Weeksy, thanks for taking the time. I know you had a busy day, and I know we're going to pick this conversation up at 8 a.m. tomorrow for Golf Talk Canada. So uh, have a great Friday, and I'll see you in the morning, man. Okay, I'm going to change all my answers tomorrow if people are listening. That's (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) We're just going to leverage it and just spread ourselves out nicely. Thank you. (laughs) Bob Bob Weeks. Uh, Follow him on Twitter, at Bob Weeks, TSN. Of course, Weeksy and I with uh, Adam Scully will be in uh, in the morning right here, TSN 1050, 1150, in Hamilton and coast-to-coast on the TSN radio network this weekend for golf talk canada radio and we'll jump into this a little deeper get scully's opinion on this and again you don't replace tiger by one guy it's just not going to happen and i think that's unrealistic but i think we need some of these guys out there with a little bit more intensity you know rory shows a bit of it at the Ryder cup if you recall him and patrick reed going toe-to-toe that was fun to watch people are into that and the Ryder cup kind of allows that every two years they kind of let it breathe a bit so to speak and allows golf to be treated a different way. Maybe more like other sports. You can, you know, get on guys' backs and in their face and rah, rah, rah. And once every couple of years, it's fun. But how do we get some of the intensity out of the, you know, Dustin Johnsons and Brooks Kepkas and players like that? Even Rory. Rory just almost looks uninterested at times. Which is a shame because he's just such a brilliant talent. So it's going to be hard to replace Tiger, but certainly going to need more than one body. Looking at the Wyndham Championship, Snedeker 11 under par. He'll have the lead after that 59 heading into round two. David Hearn, three under now on his second round. So he's nine under par for the tournament. So he's vaulting up those FedEx Cup point standings. That's important for David. Taylor and Connors trying to get inside that 125. So if you're watching that, you're a Canadian golf fan, watch for that this weekend. We're going to switch gears and drop the golf for a bit. On the other side, we're going to talk some college hoops. Because R.J. Barrett... 
was in town with Duke. It's Duke's first ever visit to Canada, one of the most storied college basketball franchises, college history, I guess in history, really. They just, you know, what if you go all the way back and look at the tournaments, the Final Fours, and the, just the legendary moments in Duke basketball over the years, and, and here they are in the province of Ontario visiting Canada. They played Ryerson the other night. R.J. Barrett, the Canadian basketball phenom, 34 points. Puts up 34 points in an 86-67 to preseason victory over the Ryerson Rams. They'll play University of Toronto tonight. Our next guest coming up on the other side, Chris McKee, NCAA basketball writer. He's also the uh, social media director for Golf Talk Canada, but Chris also covers college hoops and does it for OUA and SB Nation, south of the border, and has been down covering this tour uh, since Duke arrived. So we're going to get into that next with Chris McKee, talk some college hoops, and don't forget the Twitter poll question. Hit us up at TSN 1050 Radio. How many times will Tiger Woods win between now and Augusta National next season? I'm Mark Zucchino. We'll be back on the other side. This is Toronto Today. Welcome back to Toronto Today. Mark Zucchino in with you. Host of Golf Talk Canada Television and Radio. Talking a little bit of everything today. we got some NFL coming up an hour or two with uh, Tim Graham from The Athletic. There's so much NFL storylines as we head into this season. and Quarterback, people with quarterback hopefuls. They throw tons of money at these guys with no playoff record. And, and they're all their hopes on some of these arms that have very limited playoff experience and success. And then on the heels of that, then we just got some recent news that the Packers with Aaron Rodgers is going to make him the highest paid player in NFL today. And of course, Aaron Rodgers not exactly thrilled with the offseason right now and some of the moves that the Packers have made in the offseason. But I guess you just throw a boatload of money at it and everything goes away. That's how it works. Someone did that to me. Maybe I, I'm just going to get really unhappy on Golf Talk Canada and someone will just bring in a wheelbarrow of money. Highly unlikely. Our next guest, speaking of Golf Talk Canada, is the social media director for Golf Talk Canada. Also covers uh, NCAA and OUA basketball. Actually also just completed a book about a former life of his where he was an uh, award-winning producer and as well as concert booker. He used to bring huge tours to Canada, including the Wu-Tang Clan. So how do you go from the Wu-Tang Clan to Golf Talk Canada? It's a bit of a stretch. It's a giant jump. But he had a very interesting life on the road with these groups and actually wrote a book about his time with the Wu-Tang Clan. So we will jump into that a little bit at the uh, end of our uh, next segment with Chris McKee, who's joining me now to talk about Duke's visit to Canada. McKee, what's going on this morning, brother? Talk about a complete sellout to go from the Wu-Tang Clan and hip-hop to working for Golf Talk Canada. That's, you know? that's it. You, uh, you, you know, the man, the man was putting you down, and you just crossed over is what happened. That's what Absolutely. happened there. You just like, yeah. unbelievable. So, okay, Duke is in town, and for someone like myself, who is not a huge basketball <laughs> fan, that doesn't get into it deep, that is more of like, okay, I'll check the headlines. I'll, I'll figure out what's going on with the headlines. When we get to Final Four time, I'll watch some college hoops. When we get to the NBA playoffs, I'll watch some professional basketball. This, these headlines about R.J. Barrett, Canada's own, 
suggesting that he could be the greatest Canadian basketball player of all time. He might be there already. For a guy like me, I'm scratching my head going, really? Steve Nash? It's not like we haven't produced some quality basketball players. How good is this guy? Are they on side with these comments? Well, I think it's a little premature to call him the greatest ever. I, I did hear you mentioning off the top of, you know, about Steve Nash. So Steve Nash is obviously RJ's godfather. Uh, RJ's father, Rowan, uh, who worked, who's an uh, executive vice president of basketball Canada, played for the Canadian national team in the 2000 Olympics in Sydney with Steve Nash. Uh, and so Steve and uh, RJ's dad Rowan have a good relationship. So I, I don't even think Steve would be insulted, you know, with the comparison. But but RJ is really good. Uh, I've had a chance to track him over the past year when he was the number one rated recruit, uh, not just in Canada, in the United States, and you know, ESPN featuring him. But uh, he's long, lean, athletic. I had a chance to see him up close a few times, uh, specifically a few weeks ago when he was playing for the Canadian men's national team alongside of the NBAers like Kelly Olynyk, Corey Joseph, uh, Dylan Brooks, and he looked the part. Even though he was 17, uh, you know, at the time, physically he looks the part. He's got all the tools. He's a two-handed player. He's explosive, athletic. He's all of it. Now, the greatest ever. Uh, you know, let's pump the brakes on that. But to me, there is no doubt he will be the number one pick in next year's NBA draft. And he's surrounded by, uh, from what I understand, a real great group of young talent at Duke as well. They have very high hopes, obviously, in the next, you know, say, 12 months in the in the Duke program, no? Yeah, so Coach K, obviously the legendary coach, Mike Chizewski, um, he has... It's the number one rated recruiting class. Not only do they have RJ, who's the number one rated recruit, they also recruited Zion Williamson, who's the number two recruit, Cam Reddish, who's the number three recruit, and then Trey Jones, who was 10th overall. So they've got, you know, four guys in the top 10. Uh, those four freshmen are expected to start. Both Cam Reddish and Trey Jones aren't playing uh, on this Canadian tour. They're dealing with minor injuries. I've seen them walking around. They've been shooting around. But I think Coach K is just, you know, being a little precautious with it. But, I mean, they are as good as advertised. Uh, you know, some have compared them to Michigan's Fab Five going back in the day, you know, with Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, and that group. You know, RJ himself this week said that he felt this version of Duke could beat that Michigan's Fab Five, which I think is it's a little silly, but they are pretty good. Uh, they're freakishly athletic. You know, RJ's been talked about ad nauseum. Uh, in Canada over the past couple weeks, especially this week, but Zion Williamson, seeing him up close, this is a guy that, you know, in the U.S., a lot more interest surrounding him because, you know, he's a kid out of South Carolina. He's racked up, you know, millions and millions of views on YouTube for his dunks, and to see that athleticism, and it's it's like, uh, it's almost violent the way he plays. He's so aggressive. To see that up close out at the Paramount Five, uh, Five Food Center on Wednesday was really something special. Uh, you know, something else that's kind of special about this too, uh, not just the talent we're seeing in some of these re- remarkable young phenoms, is the spotlight that it's putting on OUA basketball. Like normally, we would not be talking about this on TSN. Normally, we would not have you know full national TV coverage on TSN of of these games. But Duke is actually coming here giving a huge opportunity to you know programs like Ryerson, U of T will get their kick tonight. How big of an opportunity is this for OUA and to show uh, some of the talent here north of the border that maybe is underrated? Would that be fair? Uh, absolutely. You know, a lot of these guys in Canada, you know, it, obviously 99% of them wish they could have gone south of the border. 
but the level of basketball here in Canada it has grown exponentially. I spoke with Ryerson head coach Roy Rana after Wednesday's game, and you know he didn't care that his team got thumped. You know he called it a celebration for his program. I mean, when does Ryerson get to be on? ESPN nationally and having, you know, Dan Schulman and Jay Billis call their game as well. You know, Ryerson is a legit program. They made it to the national championship last year, uh, lost to the Calgary Dinos by two points and, you know, we're just a few seconds away from winning the title. They knocked off Carleton University, which is the benchmark for, you know, as good as it gets in Canada. Carleton has played, has won eight straight games against American University opponents. These American teams come up. They're allowed a foreign tour every four years. So a lot of them come up to Canada. Come, It's a lot cheaper and quicker flights instead of going to Europe. And the level of competition is amazing. But Carleton up in Ottawa has just been thumping, uh, you know, any American team that, can, that comes through. I saw them two summers ago against Wichita State, which has been a top 25 program, NCAA March Madness team, uh, they handed to them pretty handily. They beat Ole Miss this past week, which is a pretty good squad. Cincinnati made it to this. They were a number two seed going to the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament last year, and Carlton handled to them uh, pretty good this week. So basketball up here, you know, has grown uh, at a you know an exponential, lightning quick rate, and uh, just an opportunity to showcase that for UFC and Ryerson this week. We're with Chris McKee. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. McKee. That's at Mr. McKee. And he's covering the Duke Tour of Canada for the OUA as well as SB Nation, south of the border. McKee, before we switch gears here and uh, leave basketball, what's a win then tonight for the University of Toronto? What's a challenge? Keeping this within 20 points? Is that is that a win? Uh, yeah. What's respectable tonight, I guess, is my question. Well, I, you know, Ryerson was able to keep it within 20, and that, that's a significantly better team. You know, U of T, I believe, was a 14-win team last year. They did get to the playoffs, but, you know, they're a middle-of-the-pack OUA squad. Um, and so, you know, the win is them showing up and, and getting the lineup against Duke and, um, you, you know, just getting that opportunity. I, I would imagine the score would be a lot larger than 20 tonight. All right, so a lot larger than 20 is the prediction this evening. But again, regardless, a, a lot of airtime and a lot of publicity and a good opportunity for all Canadian basketball. Now, leaving that now, I teased off the top of the interview that you tour in a former life with the Wu-Tang Clan. People are going like, okay, how does this, how does this guy go from Wu-Tang Clan to Golf Talk Canada to covering bas- college basketball on both sides of the border? But uh, at the end of the day, you're a great writer. And great writers write about experiences, write about what they know. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the same thing. You're, you're writing from from the heart, from memory, etc. And that was a former life for you. And you've got a book out now about the about those experiences. So, you know, g- give us a plug here. Plug the book. What's the name of the book? Where can we get it? And, and give us a teaser on the book because that man, you know me, I'm a rock fan. I'm not a Wu Tang fan. Yeah. But the stories of those guys on the road is to me, regardless if you're into the music or not, it, it, the lifestyle is legendary. So I was an award-winning music agent and concert promoter for uh, 20 years. I worked for the biggest music agency in Canada for a few years, going back to the early 2000s, and then started my own agency after. And so I put together concert tours for dozens of like Grammy and Juno winners, everyone from Rihanna, the Black Eyed Peas, the Roots, 
I've booked concerts for the you know the usual Canadian classic rock guys, everyone from Matt Good, the Tea Party, Sloan. But the one group that I found that everybody was always intrigued by that I worked with was the Wu-Tang Clan. So for over a decade, I produced concert tours across Canada for various members of the Wu-Tang Clan, got to go on the road with them. And so I decided to put together a collection of stories of, you know, what it's like to be on the road with the Wu-Tang Clan. You know, it's sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, even murder. Um, you know, there's, there's elements of that. One of the promoters who was doing uh, the show in Montreal, um, an old friend of mine named Matt Gardner Dutch, uh, he was murdered two weeks before the show. Now, obviously, nothing to do with the Wu-Tang Clan, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, this it's all that's all part of you know what what the life is with hip hop, and it's it's not you know um, it's not far removed from that. So the book is officially out today, August seventeenth. You can find it on Amazon, Amazon.ca here in Canada, Amazon.com if you're in the U.S. I didn't know today was the official uh, launch day. I, I had no idea. Now, what, what's the title yeah. again, Chris? Life on the Life on the Road with the Wu Tang Clan. Just various stories. Uh, you know, one of the stories I tell is that. Being on the road with Ghostface Killer the first night of the tour, Ghostface sits me down, and, you know, we've been on the, the phone for months on end, and he sits me down and says, hey, listen, let's have breakfast the first night after the show, and let's go over some of the details of how I want the rest of this tour to unfold. So we're sitting in a swanky hotel in, in Montreal uh, having lunch, sorry, having brunch, and uh, he says to me, Chris, everything's been great with the tour. Um, money's been good, shows, shows everything's looking really good, but I have a problem with the hotel we're in. And I said, well, Ghost, it's a five-star hotel. What's the problem? He says, well, all the TV channels are in French. I can't take it. I was trying to relax after the show last night, watch some TV, and every channel's in French. So for the rest of the tour, can you put me in any hotels that don't have French TVs? I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at him going, this is a guy, Mark, this is a guy that has traveled the world over as a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. They've been to Asia, South America, all over Europe, and he hasn't figured out that whatever country you're in, if they speak French or Dutch, that's what the TV channels are going to be at. <laughs> well, okay, we'll hit it up on uh, Amazon. And before I let you go, McKee, I, I got to get your uh, take on this because, you know, we'll go G- GTC radio in the morning. I just had Weeksy on and uh, to talk a little FedEx Cup because Canadians are making mm-hmm. a push. But our Twitter poll question this week, because everybody's going Tiger nuts because of his performance in the last two majors, and especially Sunday uh, at the PGA Championship, you know, running through the finish line, really, I think, for the first time this year. Obviously, he didn't win, but maybe for the first time this year, he didn't beat himself when he had a chance to win. I think that's important. So the Twitter poll question is, between now and Augusta next year, between now and the Masters in April, how many times will Tiger Woods win a professional golf tournament. So this could be on any tour, if he goes and plays European tour, etc. Yeah. Hey, one win between now and Augusta, two or more wins between now and Augusta, or no wins between now and Augusta? Well, I- I'm going to say one. Here's why. I was glued to my television set all week watching that run, him trying to chase, the- chase down Brooks Kepka, and it was inspiring. I mean, you know, I know you mentioned it earlier, 69% increase, but just the way he's playing, the momentum, he looked like the old Tiger um, and, and having that fan support behind him is that's got to will him to at least one. Now, one of the things, though, once he gets that win, I think there's going to be an inevitable drop-off where that pressure's gone, he's going to play relaxed, and I think you'll see that one win, and then you'll see a series of top tens where he's competitive again. But I think, you know, it's getting to that mountaintop, and then he'll, he'll 
sort of settle down and just become complacent with that. That's going to be interesting to see. And we don't know how he's going to react to this because there's a bunch of different theories. I've heard people say that, that once he gets the win, he'll lay down. And other guys say the floodgates will open. And I think the interesting about it is it's almost like he's trying to win for the first time again. And when players win for the first time, they do react different ways. You see guys in majors, they win their first major, you know, like a Darren Clark, and he's never heard from again. He just goes and parties and celebrates it the rest of his life. And then other guys win their first major and then kind of trampoline that into something. So... You know what? Here's the good news. As long as we're talking Tiger, it means golf's healthy. Let's just hope we can do it for a few more years. So, Well, let's, let's look at Sergio, actually. You know, you're, you're doppelganger. That yeah. Everyone recognizes you. But, you know, he wins that Masters last year, and he hasn't been heard of since. Right. This is Sergio Garcia. This isn't Darren Clark. This is Sergio Garcia. Missing in action. Yeah, he's uh, joined the Witness Protection Program. It's unreal. They can't find that guy. So the game's tonight. Enjoy it, McKee. Uh, University of Toronto against Duke uh, basketball. Uh, Game two of their Canadian uh, tour. And uh, I know you'll be all over that. So enjoy the game and uh, enjoy the rest of Duke's uh, tour to Canada. And I'll talk to you uh, on the weekend for GTC. All right, thanks, Mark. Much appreciated. Chris McKee at Mr. McKee uh, all over NCAA basketball and OUA basketball this week as Duke uh, really visits Canada for the first time, which is uh, pretty amazing. Again, uh, how often would we be talking about Ryerson and University of Toronto basketball at any time when you consider all the sports that we need to engage with here on TSN all the big stories, all the big headlines that are debatable. We're, you know, it doesn't matter what time of the year we can jump into Leaf Nation in Toronto. You know, we'll talk Leafs at any time. You know, maybe we'll talk a little. I'm back with you, by the way, on Monday, so maybe we'll talk a little Leafs on Monday because we're not really getting into too much Leafs today. I'm a huge Leaf fan. I actually only cheer for two teams. I cheer for Toronto Maple Leafs and San Francisco 49ers. The rest of the the world does not count to me. It's my only allegiance. Those two teams. So. I will go homer, full homer, on Monday for one Leaf segment for sure. And on the other side, to kick off Hour 2 of Toronto today, we'll jump into NFL. And you know what? For the first time in a long time, not a lot of drama in 49er land. Okay, so Jimmy G was dating a porn star, okay? But I don't really care because he's undefeated as a 49er starting quarterback. I, I see the 49ers, you know... Being for real this year. So I'm looking forward to the start of the season. Yes, there are some challenges. Man, the Rams, they threw a, throwing a lot at the board this year going all in. And a lot of teams going all in. Vikings, Redskins with the new quarterback situation. So the good news is we get to jump into all of this on the other side early with the senior NFL writer for The Athletic. He's out of Buffalo. Tim Graham going to join us on the other side. Obviously, we'll talk a little Buffalo Bills as well. A lot of Bills fans here in the Toronto, Southern Ontario region. So we'll jump into everything that is NFL on the other side with Tim Graham. Then later in Hour 2, Wade Keller from PW Torch Newsletter. We'll talk a little wrestling. SummerSlam weekend. We'll jump in and we'll preview why do we have to watch Reigns Lesnar again. Why? Why are you jamming this down my throat? We'll do that in hour two. You are listening to Toronto Today.